Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Listeners, if you haven't listened to the previous two episodes before today's episode, we encourage you to listen to those first. Because what Cam and I are doing is we are revisiting the cause and effect metaphor that we presented in episodes 10 and 11. Because we recognize now that we have over 60 episodes out there that listeners may not be jumping in at the beginning. And we've also gotten some feedback that that metaphor and the language that we continue to use in our episodes is a little confusing for some of you. So we're hoping over these episodes that by breaking down the metaphor a little at a time and discussing it in depth, that we're able to clarify some of those things. And for those of you that haven't listened to those episodes to help catch you up so that when we're using the language of the metaphor, you know what we mean. So if you haven't listened to those, step back, listen to those first, and then catch up with us here. So that's episode 60, 61. And this is episode 62. So last week, we left a young cam at the lunch counter. And this week, we're going to talk about how to get above the lunch counter, which is ultimately what each one of our clients is looking for, what you as a listener, if you are taking this show and you are doing your own work with it, what you are looking for. And it's frustrating because that lunch counter is a huge barrier. And so there's no shortcut. There's no way to just smash your way through. And we touched on that last week, sort of shifting how you view the lunch counter from a help desk to a catalog to building a body of knowledge about your own ADHD. So Cam, I'm going to kick it over to you. And I want you to tell me, what was that first moment that you got up above the lunch counter for the first time with your own ADHD experience? I will, but I want to bring in another analogy that you and I were just talking about before the show. I said that when I got to the lunch counter for the first time, in the sense of learning about my ADHD, learning about the symptoms, treating those symptoms, I thought I was at my destination. We kind of laid in this road to travel. You brought in the card catalog, which I think is brilliant. We build our catalog of learning. And with ADHD, we will set that down. We'll lose the sequence. We'll misplace it. We'll forget where we put it. And and not come back to it. So being able to identify these learnings and then put it in a safe place to come back to. So I thought I was at my destination. It was like, you love fish. And that's no secret. (laughs) That's no secret. And I said, you know, what do they call the marketplace outside the fish concert? Because I know there's a marketplace out there. And you told me, because I went to a few Grateful Dead shows back in the late 80s. And there's a market out there. There's a marketplace, people coming to the show, there are vendors who set up and will provide you with anything, (laughs) with absolutely anything. Yeah. So it's called Shakedown Street. And Shakedown is half the reason you go to the show, but it's not the whole reason. Unlike a normal concert, when you go to a dead show or a fish show, you go three to five hours early, and you spend your time on shakedown. And when we talk about a marketplace, this isn't just a few vendors. This is hundreds upon hundreds of artists 
t-shirts, glass art, paintings, handmade tie-dye, housewares. I have fish coasters that I bought on Shakedown Street, okay? (laughs) I have so many fish housewares that I have bought on Shakedown Street. Think of it as like an itsy in real life. And it's massive. It is absolutely massive. And it's interesting. There's stuff that you won't see anywhere else that you will find on Shakedown. So again, it's this market that is outside the venue. You're coming to see the show. You're going inside. But there's a whole nother show on the outside. And for me, when I thought I got to my destination, stay with us on this metaphor. So when I came to the lunch counter to learn about my ADD, to get my medicine and treat it, and even to work with my first coach, it was really, I thought it was at my destination. Like, okay, I have ADD. What's next? You know, like now I I know it. Now I can go home and just manage my ADD. And so that's sort of like going to a dead show or to fish show where you think the event is the marketplace outside the venue. Back to our Mount Rainier, above the lunch counter is really obscured in the clouds. That is causation. And so, yeah, the marketplace is lively and there's lots going on. And you can pretty much get whatever you want. And so there's a lot of activity there. There's a lot of answers provided. Last week, we talked about the pilgrim being on the pilgrimage seeking answers. We're hungry. So we're going to go and we're going to get our needs met. Well, I thought I was at the show when in fact, there's a whole nother show happening on the other side of the wall. It's like the castle keep and you've got the castle wall and on the outside, the villagers come and set up their bazaar, their marketplace. It's where goods are exchanged. So that's what this is like. I thought I was at my destination when, in fact, there's a big wall behind there and it really couldn't get up there. So your question, Shelley, of like, again, how did I start to make the foray or to understand that there was something beyond there is a really good question. One more thing that I will add about Shakedown is a lot of community happens on Shakedown. Yeah. Last summer, I actually spent most of my shakedown time with a friend who vends. So he's an artist. He sets up his own booth and I helped him out with his booth and his nonprofit all summer. And people knew where to find me. People that I only see once or twice a year would come find me. So communities form on shakedown too. And this isn't all that different from the communities that form around ADHD on social media. They can be helpful to a point, but there comes that point where you have to start looking inward. And that is where a lot of communities that form on shakedown versus the communities forming inside the show tend to let us down. Cam, I'm thinking about the difference between some of the very publicly available communities versus something like our Discord, where people, instead of giving each other advice, are doing their own work and supporting the other members of the Discord in doing their own work. And we don't have a monopoly on that, by the way. There are lots of ADHD coaches and content creators that have communities doing this type of higher level work. Yeah. So how did I get through the lunch counter? How did I get through into causation was really back to this story that you've heard me say was when my wife said, you're not working when in fact I thought I was working. 
And she said, no, you're not. And she said, well, there's no money in the bank. And this was around 2003. I was a couple years out of teaching and she was right. And it's really interesting. You know, she and I had done our work and I came to realize that she was someone who was a truth teller to me. She still is. And, you know, sometimes the truth hurts, (laughs) (laughs) but she has this ability to tell the truth. And I've been learning to hear that. And so the first thing was to accept that the pain is real. Here's a real pain point that my actions are having consequences or rather my inactions are having consequences. Can you say more about that, Cam? What was it like before you realized the pain was real? And what was that shift? Yeah, so it's about ownership. I think that we can be very optimistic and hopeful about planning. Today is going to be different. You know, I know yesterday was not great. But today, I'm feeling really good about today. I'm feeling really good about next week. I'm feeling good about the future. And there's there's sort of this convenient kind of schism between all the burned bridges and breakdowns and incompletes in my past. When I conveniently just set aside the rearview mirror, don't look in the rearview mirror, just look ahead because the future is rosy. And I didn't realize that this is part of my executive function at the top of Rainier, the executive function that is kind of creating this forward-looking way that creates this, you know, and wanting to believe that I think insulates us from a lot of the pain. So that insulation was helping and to help with that pain, but I wasn't really coming to terms with what was really happening. We can be time travelers in the sense of going into the future, a hopeful future, or catastrophizing that future. We can also go back in time around regret and, oh boy, I really blew that but not really thinking of tethering that learning. It's just kind of wallowing in that regret and shame and guilt and not thinking to tie it together to my present moment of this opportunity. We talk about choice points. That's another thing is we downplay our ability to make change in the moment because we're often not present to our moment opportunity. And that's what happened in that moment, Shelley, was When I got over the initial hurt, I started to say, okay, I can go back and try to teach, but it nearly killed me. It nearly killed me in the sense of just the burnout. I couldn't go back to that. I was really fascinated with coaching. I was really fascinated with teaching in a different way, adult learning. And so I said, I've got to figure this out. There's something here. And I said this last week, there has to be something compelling beyond that barrier for us to go and be curious about. So that's what I decided to do. was like, you know what? There's something beyond these level one symptoms. There must be. And this was this one thing of, why is it I can't see this information, this knowledge that my wife just shared with me, that I realized I looked like I was working, but I wasn't. So first of all, why can't I see that? What's going on there? And that's when I started to have my initial kind of expedition, if you will, beyond the lunch counter to get up onto the slopes. And what I learned, that's when I came face-to-face with that idea generator. 
of realizing there's this idea generator spitting out ideas every 47 seconds. And I would pick it up and I thought, oh, well, I'm supposed to do this. So there's another element up there of really estimation of how long a task is going to take. I thought an idea came out and you did it. Not really appreciating how long it takes to take an idea to some real finish, to production. That concept to me, that sense of time, I didn't have it. So along with that idea generator is this kind of time warper that will warp time around hours in the day, but also how long something's going to take. So Cam, what I'm hearing is up above the lunch counter, two things happened when you were able to get there. The thing that got you there was ownership or acceptance, recognizing that the pain was real. And the thing that allowed you to start doing work up there was this sort of bigger truth that you were able to hear for what it was, this statement from your wife. I talked about a client many episodes back on the podcast who described that same sort of feeling as the fantasy bubble. Someone popped her fantasy bubble. Your wife popped your fantasy bubble. So all of the sudden, instead of being either in all or nothing at any given moment, either things were going really great or things were going really poorly, and you weren't connecting the learning in either place, it was just where you were in that moment, you started to examine your experience differently, both the good things and the bad things. And you started to make bigger connections, which brought you to the idea generator and what's going on with the idea generator. So before you say more about the idea generator, I think this is a great place to bring in the Rubik's Cube that lives on top of Mount Rainier. Sure. So this is the reason we talk about the Rubik's Cube listeners. A four by four Rubik's Cube, one of the little pocket ones that little has pocket guy. four blocks on each side. That little guy has over 3.6 million combinations, 3.6 million different ways in which you can arrange four cubes per side. That's kind of mind-blowing. And so when Cam starts to talk about what's going on with the idea generator that causes him to fail to complete the time warper and the other things that he's about to articulate, it's about finding that individual manifestation. So listeners, you may also have an idea generator on board. I know a lot of my clients have really identified with that language since Cam first brought it into the podcast. But the manifestation behind your idea generator and what's happening for you may not look the same as what's happening for Cam because there are infinite or nearly infinite combinations of level one symptoms and then getting up even higher and deeper into your own experience to things that aren't described as classic ADHD symptoms, but things that you know are happening for you. So I want to say a little bit more about that Rubik's Cube. And around 15 years ago, we really started to make headway around understanding this connection between ADHD and executive functions. So Thomas Brown with his model and Russell Barkley with his. And I want to read elements of Russell Barkley's model because I think this will speak to some folks. So just think about this, these seven areas where there's challenge or breakdowns. But if you take these seven and start to create different combinations, then you get this presentation 
that manifests into that fast brain experience or into the big brain experience, all the way down these different sides of Mount Rainier. So as Shelley said last week, it's this, yes, learning about the general symptoms and understanding this executive function piece around ADD, but then exploring your own experience. And if you need to do it with someone else, to do it with someone else. But it was this taking that idea generator and tethering it back up to the Rubik's Cube and then coming back from the idea generator down into manifestation. It was appreciating the whole model of how that idea generator, along with this glitchy time conceptualizer, and oh, I didn't even, I didn't even talk about this inability to create structure self-generated structure. That was another big learning was as I was looking at this, I realized that teaching provided all these structural elements. It was like, do this at this time, show up, teach, grade the thing, do these reports. And then it's a nine month sprint. I could always do a nine month sprint and collapse at June 7th, the day after school was out. I just had to get through that. It was a beautiful little 45 days trimester. I'd sprint those 45 days. And so when I left teaching, I had none of those structural elements. And I realized that that was a big part of me not being able to build out my day of success. Because I couldn't build that whole time blocking thing to build a sense of what is a completion on this specific task here. So again, Near that idea generator is this kind of a, this unbuilder around structure. And what I did after teaching was I kind of went seeking structural shelter, right? I was like, I was wanting a mentor that would just be like, you know, just, could you just kind of set things up for me? You know, realizing my issue wasn't a daddy issue. It was really this structural issue. I didn't know how to create structure for myself. And Shelly, I didn't know that. (laughs) Right? So back to Barclay. I think Barclay gets it really close here in the sense of these, again, at the top of Rainier. I want to read these off. And we're going to come back next week when we tie it all together. Self-awareness, which is really what he says, self-directed attention. Challenges around self-awareness. Inhibition. The ability to pause, to stop. So disinhibition is really challenging. Nonverbal working memory. This is why we do this imagery, to have these powerful images so you can remember and recall, because recalling that is very difficult. Verbal working memory. And Barclay's brilliant here because he says, you know what? People with ADHD, when they're kids, younger, don't develop an internal dialogue that's supporting learning. Often the dialogue is not supportive, but this is our model of translating, to translate, to bring it into language. I've used this for years around a term I call articulating your ADHD, to articulate that, give words to it so it has meaning. Emotional regulation, another one, self-motivation, and then this final one that I think really speaks to this cause and effect, planning and problem-solving is kind of innocuous, but the subtext here, reconstruction, behavior analysis and synthesis. This is when we're down in the valley 
we're analyzing, but typically with that, that gremlin and that negative self-talk. So part of getting to this, seeing that the pain is real is also, there's also opportunity here. There's opportunity for change, for positive change. And that's the most, this is why we're doing this podcast, Shelly. Yeah. We know that there's positive change that is possible when we look at our own experience. So bringing those elements, for me, it was like lack of awareness and the inability to really analyze or reconstruct what was happening. When we turn our attention to these pieces, we can start to make changes. That's the fascinating thing that I would walk up and kind of check out, oh, the real issue is I can't construct a meaningful workday because I can't put together useful structures. So what did I do? I started to collaborate with others who were positive supports. I thought I needed a taskmaster. So what do I do? I start looking for a taskmaster. This guy will whip me into shape and it didn't work out. Huh? Head scratcher, Cam. Why did that not work out? Because that's not what I needed. I didn't need discipline. What I needed is I needed positive spheres. I needed positive environments. I needed positive collaborators. I needed to find my areas of strength. We talk about purpose, the why. Finding our compelling why is this unifier or contextualizer. What is this all about? Cam, one you haven't said yet, but that I'm hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is the inhibition piece or the disinhibition piece. Yeah. So with your big idea generator, there was no pause. You would go straight into action. And this was this phenomenon of working, working, working and feeling like you were working up until your wife popped the fantasy bubble and said, hey, Cam, there's no money in the bank account. Why aren't you working? Well, she actually said, you're not working. (laughs) And then her proof was, there's no money in the bank account. But just that, that was just an important sequencing piece there that was really, really impactful of like, what's your proof? I'm working. No, you're not. <laughs> and it yeah. was, it was, I couldn't, it was like, oh yeah, I couldn't look past that. The fascinating thing there was this, I knew that she wasn't saying it out of hurt or harm. She was saying it absolutely out of love. Yeah. And we have people around us who love us who support us, that they might be trying to tell you something that sounds hurtful when actually we might be able to decipher or decode it in a way that what is it they're really trying to tell me? Can they help me see this connection between manifestation and causation to give me a passageway through that lunch counter so I can get into that arena and see the show, the real show, and then appreciate how it all tethers together. This is not about living on the slopes. The reason why causation is on the slopes is because it's slippery. It's high altitude. You go up, you visit, you come back down. We run into things. We have bumps. We have shocks to the system. We slide back down into a deep spot. But being able to pick ourselves up and find that road again and just appreciating this whole process and how it plays out, all emanating from this little tiny Rubik's Cube at the top. And Once you've done this work once, and as you start to do it over and over again, it does get easier. Mm. It gets easier, not just because you have your own understanding, meaning you can start to recognize these patterns. You're not 
building from ground zero. You're not building from that place of, I don't know why I do that or don't do that. Or even worse, I don't even recognize that I'm doing or not doing that. You're starting with more knowledge than that. Even more than that is the opportunity to translate. Cam talks about his big idea generator a lot, not just on the show, but off the show as well. It shows up sometimes when we're talking about what's next for the show, sometimes in ways that are really helpful, sometimes in ways that might be pulling us on a side path that we're not ready for. But as a collaborator and partner of Cam's, who knows a lot about his big idea generator, I can be a support there. I can check in with him there when that is showing up in the context of our work together. And I can help him figure out, is this the idea for now? Is this something to park for later? Or is this something we maybe want to let go of altogether? And that wouldn't be possible if Cam hadn't done his own work here and done his own learning about his big idea generator to the point that he could articulate it to others. That's the power of translation. I so appreciate you saying that in the sense it does get easier because as we build these steps, as we build these paths, we're like reporters or pilgrims, again, kind of moving up and down the mountain that then the steps and the places become familiar, that you know where the, the hazardous areas are, the ice fields that you've got to be careful in. It's really fascinating, Shelly. I just was reminded my own big brain, got a regretful big brain moment was that just this little cue kind of reminded me of this whole area of work that I did not too long ago. I mean, I was talking about the ADHD awareness gap. I was talking about articulating your ADD and presenting that to the world. And somehow I'd kind of the Mount Rainier cause and effect and that they, they just, they lived not together. They were partitioned in some way. And my big brain kind of put them on two sides of a partition. And it was something you said that kind of brought them back together again. I'm like, wait a second, what? And I could have gone deep into the valley of, I hate my brain. I don't understand my brain. That's another thing is this lack of understanding. Why? Why is it I do this? And then stay or wallow in that place of frustration. And now it's this, again, acceptance of, wow, that was quite a big brain moment, Cam. Like, here they are. I mean, they're like neighbors. They're in a duplex, Shelly. And, and it's like, and they don't even know their neighbors. And I'm like, what? You know, but it's like, oh, wait. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This path, it's all about the same path, Cam. This work that I've been doing is all feeding into everything that's going forward here. And it's really fascinating to kind of, again, see these patterns, to notice these patterns and to, again, it's this synthesizing. It's refining. It's sort of seeing, okay, what are the paths we want to stay on to make them well-worn? And what are the ones that we'll go off on and then let go of? Oh, I'm here. Yeah, here I am again, over here, you know, in this treacherous ice field of many ideas. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's back out. We don't need to do this. Because I know I'm chasing stems. It's stimulating, but it's not fulfilling. So having that understanding of what fulfilling is. And that's where true completion is. Every episode we do here is a completion that is reaching people and is making a difference for them. That's, that's fulfilling. 
Absolutely. And I will add that as coaches, there's a reason why we call what we do a practice. And I think that that is equally true as educators and content creators. We get better over time at educating others about ADHD, at describing concepts. Part of the reason we wanted to revisit this metaphor is because we had learned more about what the metaphor meant. We were clearer on what it meant. And the process of doing that is not all that different than doing your own work in the realm of ADHD. It's about curiosity. It's about being open to what you don't know. You know, Cam, it surprises me every time I teach you something (laughs) because you've been doing this so much longer than I have. But that's one of the cool things about collaboration. That's one of the cool things about this foundation that you have rooted firmly in curiosity is you are open to that learning wherever it comes. And you model that for everyone you've ever taught coaching or ADHD to. Well, thank you. And I really mean that. And I think that that's leaning into that island of competency is that I've learned that not only curiosity moves the signal out of my limbic and that fear center or that frozen center, but it's really this, what can we do? What can we do together? What can I learn from this individual? What's possible? I want to say one more thing about the slopes. I think that there's, there are folks that are taking notes and they're like, okay, So above the lunch counter, there's a barrier. It's not unlike a fish show. And there are certain things up there, like an idea generator. There's a time warper. And can you, I'd like a detailed layout of all of those things that are up on the slopes. Above the lunch counter, below the Rubik's Cube. Can you you map out for me exactly what are these different buildings or factories? And I will say, no, we can't because, as Shelley said, that four by four Rubik's Cube creates 3.7 million permutations or combinations. And so it's really going up and exploring and being curious. Is the idea generator real for you? Is that something that's happening? I have this up there again. I'm going to call it this structure deconstructioner that just kind of makes havoc down in my lived experience. So as it makes havoc, I've got to kind of, again, attend to it. How can I create structure? How can I make structure that's not just external, more of a framework than, you know, a scaffold for me? For you, it's going to be different. And to kind of put your crampons on, get your ice axe, go with a friend and go kind of explore. And kind of to just tether, to tether my experience down in manifestation. And then what could be contributing to that? That's a couple different combinations of these executive function breakdowns that magnifies and creates this moment for me that might be a little bit of a pain point. It's around, again, these areas that are under this constellation of ADHD around inhibition, around awareness around activation for task, around emotional management. It's not all ADHD, by the way, it's a mix. So kind of being able to see where they are and how they play in, that's nuanced, it's distinguishing. We've talked a lot about distinguishing and it's not easy because this is not necessarily in our natural wheelhouse. We're lumpers, we like to lump, we don't like to distinguish. 
But if you do kind of go up and tether and be curious, you can start to do that. And notice those patterns. Notice those patterns at play to understand, to start to accept what is happening and to translate. Well said, Cam. And the last thing I want to add is to what you said, but from a coach's perspective, my biggest learning as a coach is to never assume what's going on for my clients. When I make declarative statements about what's going on for my clients, I'm limiting them. When I make statements about what it could be, sounds like it could be this. Am I on the mark? Am I off the mark? Am I somewhere near the mark? I'm giving them the opportunity to then articulate their own experience because even those experiences that seem somewhat universal, like Cam's big idea generator for every one of my clients who love that concept, their manifestation is different from Cam. So it's a starting point. It's a conversation starter. But if I assume that their experience is just like Cam's, it becomes a conversation ender and we're not going to get anywhere because their manifestation, those 3.6 to 3.7 million different combinations, we're not exploring those. And I'm making the wrong assumptions as a coach. So take everything we say when we give you examples, when we give you scenarios, when we talk about our own experiences, it's not to tell you that this is what it looks like for you. It's to give you a place to start to be curious. If this resonates for you, if this experience that I'm having or Cam is having or one of our clients is having resonates for you, get curious about what's going on behind that experience for you. Because chances are, once you get up above the lunch counter, it's going to look very different than how it's manifesting for me or for Cam or for the client example we're bringing. So I think that's a good place for us to wrap for today. If you like what we're doing here on the show, there are two big ways you can help us out. The first is to leave a review wherever you listen. Reviews help other people find the show. The second way is to become a patron. Visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for $5 a month, not only are you supporting the show, you can also join our Discord community where members are working together to do their own lunch counter work, to do their own understand, own translate work. They really are forming this wonderful community of building knowledge for self. And it's awesome to see. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Kim. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.